0: And welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who is we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Hello! So how are you doing today, Mick?
1: Not too bad, not too bad. The sun is shining. I'm podcasting. All's well with the world. It's been a busy week, though. I've been jerking S.H.I.E.L.D.'s chain eight ways from Sunday.
0: Ex- well, I was going to say excellent, not excellent, because it means there's a film we have to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just having a nice time as well. Yeah. Just enjoying living out in my abandoned mine shaft, hitting <laughs> random walls with the pickaxe. Well, of- no, no, sorry. No, not hitting random walls with the pickaxe. Swinging the pickaxe towards a random wall, stopping a couple of inches before it, and then lightly tapping the wall.
1: Well, the budget didn't run to uh, superb scenery, I'm afraid, when we built your abandoned mine shift. <laughs>
0: That's fair, and we can't do too much damage to it, because we need it for like every other secret base in the film.
1: That's right. And also it might disturb the railway line that inexplicably runs behind it.
0: But yeah God, There's there's so many weird things we need to talk about As we behold It's it's one
1: podcast enough That's the question (laughs) Should we do a spin-off series Is this the the pilot For a spin-off series about this film
0: Um, I think we can say yes Because that spin-off has about As much chance of happening As the TV (laughs) series does (laughs) Of 1998's Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Directed by Rod Hardy. Steady on now. (laughs) Written by David Sodding (laughs) Goya. I mean,
1: you say directed. It's pushing it a little bit, isn't it? (laughs)
0: I mean, he, he certainly told some people to stand in the same room as the actors with some cameras. <laughs>
1: oh, dear.
0: <laughs> and yeah, this is based on the Marvel character created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Yeah. Which, before we go on to the film, we should probably talk a little bit about Nick Fury, the comic character.
1: Yes. Yes, let's.
0: Because I'm sure for a lot of people, especially if you're not overly familiar with the comics, if I say Nick Fury, the first name that jumps to mind is, of course, Samuel L. Jackson. Indeed. Which might make it a bit confusing that the actor playing Nick Fury in this film is David Hasselhoff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's 1998. Night Riders, a dim and distant memory bay watches into its twilight seasons clearly a new vehicle is needed and we're 10 years away from the mcu so what better way to gently guide david hasselhoff to his retirement home in germany than to give him an espionage (laughs) series yeah yeah
0: hammer that first nail into the coffin
1: An espionage series loosely based on some comic books.
0: Indeed. And speaking of those comic books, basically to get into why there's two very different versions of Nick Fury, it's because there's two very different versions of Nick Fury.
1: So I hope that makes that clear for you all. Our work here is done. Thank you very much. That was Nick Fury 101 from The Open University.
0: So to to maybe go into a bit more detail then.
1: Next week, the detailed history of the Watcher.
0: He watches things. <laughs> so yeah, Nick Fury was created in the 1960s. Originally as Sergeant Fury, who led a team called the Howling Commandos in basically a, a War comic set in World War II because mm-hmm. they were very popular at the time. Uh, but basically, as the decade went on, they became much less popular I mean, because I guess people were just less interested in World War II but what was picking off is that James Bond nonsense that all the kids are loving these days Yeah. so the series transitioned into more of a a spy thing and that's how we got Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. but this Nick Fury was very if you have seen a war film You know what Nick Fury is like. He's very, like, tough and grizzled, and he's a a macho manly man.
1: Yeah. Not at all like Samuel
0: L. Jackson. Well, I should say, he's tough, he's grizzled, and he's a white, macho manly man. (laughs) So, for a long time, that was Nick Fury. Uh, Then, in the 2000s, we got something called the Ultimate Universe. Actually, if you, if you, if you really take a good close look at the early Nick Fury
1: comics, some of which got reprinted to celebrate the 50th anniversary of S.H.I.E.L.D. a few years back, um, he's basically Reed Richards with an eye patch.
0: Shh, don't, <laughs> you, you're spoiling the magic of comics. You can't let on that a lot of characters are basically just the same character model, it's, it's like, but like with one difference. It's like Reed Richards,
1: drawn by an artist who couldn't be bothered to do both eyes.
0: Yeah, this is, this is basically the same as like any scene where Captain America and Hawkeye both have their masks off. <laughs> so yeah, luckily that problem was very much resolved in the Ultimate Universe. Because that was sort of a parallel universe, sort of taking over as the main Marvel universe for a time. But basically the idea was, you know, we've got all these characters. And one of the hardest things about comics, which I mean, I think we've mentioned it before on the show a lot, is how do you get into something when like these characters stretch back to some of them the 1940s? So basically, Marvel just decided, I will do a brand new universe, take all these characters and completely reboot them in the modern day.
1: Something that they've now turned into an annual event.
0: Pretty much. I mean, (laughs) at least now there's kind of, it's nominally like the same Spider-Man who's been swimming around since the 1960s. Just don't think too hard about it. But this was very much a hard DC Crisis on Infinite Earth style, completely new continuity. Yeah. If you've never read a comic before, this is where you start. And so as part of that, they said, Nick Fury is basically like the 1960s ideal of what is a cool guy. So we need what is the 2000s equivalent of just the coolest guy you can imagine. And that's, of course, Samuel L. Jackson. Right. And then the Ultimate Universe, because it's very, you know, modern and not reliant on continuity, that ended up serving as the blueprint for the MCU. And of course, if you've got a comic book character who's designed to look like one of the most popular actors in Hollywood at the time, just cast that actor. Yeah. But well, obviously, none of that had happened by the time this film got made, yeah, so we get just white man Nick Fury yes, who to be fair,
1: He's grizzled. looking
0: yeah, and looking at the the character in the comics, and just from a physical point of view, I can see David Hasselhoff making sense as someone you would cast,
1: yeah and you know. I've mentioned the other shows that he was associated with prior to and sort of in parallel with this and it it was very much his kind of a bag you know Um, he was I guess Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a nice easy sell for, for a pilot really or Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it's an espionage series so you can sell it to a wider audience than a straight up comic book fan.
0: Yeah, exactly you can very easily sell it as just like a Mission Impossible type thing. Yeah, and
1: and Hydra just plays the role of Spectre from the James Bond films.
0: Yeah. Actually thinking about it, this this was after Mission Impossible One came out, wasn't it? So yeah, so I guess it's trying to very much ride that wave. Yeah. And you know, you can do things like just have them dress up and get a 90s weird leather outfit, God, everyone in the 90s loved a leather outfit, didn't they? Oh,
1: didn't they Joe? Didn't they, though?
0: I mean, 90s to early 2000s.
1: Yeah. It has to be said, it's difficult to believe this was only 10 years before the MCU was born.
0: <laughs> yeah, God, just thinking about the difference in quality between this and Iron Man. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is the opening
1: title sequence. I thought I was—I thought I found the wrong stream, and I was watching Baywatch.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, because it does like that <laughs> panning over the water, <laughs> and that bit is so like—I genuinely started to worry that oh no, my my stream is broken. <laughs> also, we should probably mention—you can just watch this film on YouTube if you want to. You can. But I'd, I'd maybe wait to the end of this episode before you decide if you want to.
1: <laughs> right, shall we shall we synopsize?
0: Yeah, I guess we gotta.
1: I mean, you kind of started by doing the pickaxe swing.
0: That's true, but just a little bit before then. By sorry, way of the a most... prologue,
1: if you will. Yes.
0: <laughs> A prologue, which is also the most action-packed scene of the film. Yeah. Which is really not saying very much at all. No. The terrorist group Hydra, led by Andrea von Strucker, played by Mortal Kombat Annihilation Sandra Hess, attack a shield compound and steal the corpse of her father, Wolfgang von Strucker. In the process, Agent Clay Quartermain is killed. <coughs> and in a surprising twist... If you'll see, isn't actually played by Community's Joel McHale. Because I was sure for a moment that was him, but it, it just isn't. <coughs> <coughs> who is the guy who plays Clay Mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> None of the casting in this film matters.
1: Adrian G. Griffiths. Who you've probably never heard of because he's one of those people who... In the Wikipedia cast list for this film, isn't in blue.
0: Yeah, you you know, you know, it's a cheap casting.
1: <laughs> I mean, we've had that with stars of films in the past on some of these uh, early Marvel films.
0: I know. God. How demoralising must it be as an actor to realise that no one cares enough to make a Wikipedia page for you? I
1: mean, bear in mind that anyone can edit Wikipedia. How worrying is it that they don't think they're important enough to merit an entry?
0: Oh, that's that's really sad. <laughs> poor poor not John McHale, guy whose name I've already forgotten.
1: But but it's such it's such an agent of Shield name. A- Adrian G. Griffiths. He's crying out for an alter ego as some kind of inhuman that doesn't know he's an inhuman.
0: Oh, to be fair, he, he would absolutely turn into like the griffin or someone. Yeah. Not, not this version though, because. Also, bless his cotton socks, he's not a good actor, is he? No, no.
1: Also crying out to be an inhuman of some kind. Probably on the other side, as in this, she plays the Hydra Cairo Lieutenant, is Mina E. Mina.
0: What? <laughs> That's that's the most amazing name I've ever heard. I know!
1: And yet, oddly, not highlighted in blue.
0: That's not even an Inhuman. That's a Power Rangers <laughs> villain. <laughs> anyway, Strucker's body contains a sample of the Death's Head virus, a deadly bioweapon that Hyde want to use to destroy Manhattan. For some goddamn reason. She-Hulk decides that the only person who can stop Hydra is retired angry misogynist David Hasselhoff, <laughs> who everyone calls Nick for some reason. <laughs> Nick is joined by Agents Kate Neville, Tracy Waterhouse, also doesn't have a Wikipedia page, and Alexander Pierce, now, by I, Neil Roberts.
1: I have looked up Tracy Waterhouse. She She may not have a Wikipedia page, but she does have. An IMDb page and an unrecognisable version of her, I.e., twenty years older than she is in this film, plays a passing character in I Zombie. That's it. Her comic book links are now complete.
0: Excellent, Tracy. You're living the dream. I mean, we make fun. Neil Roberts is not doing that much better. <laughs> Given
1: He's he doctors in his...
0: and Oaks. I know. God can can you imagine thinking you're gonna be in like the next big spy thing and you end up in Hollyoaks <laughs> Anyway, uh Case and Alexander have the abilities respectively of telepathy and being just painfully British.
1: Yeah. Um like He reminds if, me of a character in Hellboy.
0: He is a bit Hellboyish. I, I think the way I think of him is if Captain America is like a General human push to their absolute peak. Alexander Pierce is that, but if the person the super soldier serum is based off is Hugh Grant, right? Because <laughs> he's just the most bumbling. Oh oh goodness! Oh heavens! Oh crikey biscuits!
1: Um, are you...
0: I hate him,
1: and also you. It's no wonder that they've had to bring in Nick Fury because the director of Shield, Jack Pincer, is also busy giving um, the Stargate SG One team a hard time. At the, at this point in time, so you know he's he's split across two teams, so you can understand why he's a bit testy.
0: Yes, what's what's that guy's name, Nick?
1: Tom McBeath, Beth
0: Beef something like that but yeah he is just he's he's the corporate guy yeah he's the pencil pusher stick up his ass doesn't want anyone to have any fun (laughs) anyway this bunch of morons bumble over to germany to interrogate arnim zola played by peter horwarth the creator of the virus but Nick Fury, world's greatest super spy, is very easily tricked and poisoned by Andrea. then <laughs> from now on is called Viper for, for no real reason. Also, I also should point out, Nick Fury is poisoned with a different poison to the virus that is the part of the film.
1: Yes. Also, at least when she starts being known as Viper, um, Andrea Von Strucker has the good grace to look comic booky. I mean she puts on a proper uniform and everything.
0: I mean does she look comic booky or does she just look nineties and is there a difference? <laughs>
1: it's a fair point well presented. There's a cape. That's all I'm saying.
0: Again who can tell the difference? <laughs> So the team then split up uh, with one team led by Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by Beverly, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, only Serena, uh, bumble around New York trying to find a bomb with the virus, while the other team, led by Nick, bumble over to Hydra's headquarters and immediately, and I cannot stress this enough, very much immediately get captured. Yes. Within seconds,
1: it has to. It, it does. It does stretch the suspension of disbelief that Shield, the world's top undercover espionage organization, think that this guy is the only person who can help them against Hydra. Because they, I
0: mean, I can believe this version of Shield think that
1: <laughs> Nick Nick Fury as played by David Hasselhoff, could just as easily have been played by Peter Sellers.
0: <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> He's Nick Fury, agent of Clisseur.
0: <laughs> he is absolutely just that same character, but played dead seriously.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> you say seriously. Well, well... <laughs> Because, it has to be said, David Hasselhoff brings all his dramatic acting chops to this.
0: Yes, yeah, so played, played as seriously as David Hasselhoff can manage, <laughs> which is not very seriously.
1: <laughs> See, I, I think all the holes in that wall that he's picking weren't actually made using the pickaxe. I think he chewed them off during rehearsals.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's clearly like not a fridge or anything in that mine shaft Maybe that's how he just sustains himself.
1: <laughs> just eating he of off. Wall. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Big chunks of scenery to chew on. Anyway, um, Fury manages to escape using his bionic eye. And the team stops the countdown, but Andrea manages to escape. But, but that's okay, because Nick just gets better from his incurable poisoning. Yes. And Boundstrucker gets better from his incurable being deadness. Yes. The end.
1: And they escape in an elevator to China.
0: Yeah, which somehow (laughs) takes, like, five minutes to to move several inches, but but then immediately goes to China. (laughs) Well, Nick Fury just stands there and watches.
1: Yeah. In no way trying to shoot it. Stop it. Alert, China.
0: He's just such an absolute clown.
1: Also, the logo for S.H.I.E.L.D. looks like it was drawn by one of the agent's ten-year-olds.
0: It probably was.
1: (laughs) The only recognisable thing, really, from the comics is Nick Fury's eye patch. And the HYDRA logo.
0: Yeah. I mean this film certainly brings in a lot of characters from the comics. It just does not do things very well with them. It,
1: it it's like what David Goyer did was he started off with a script where it was Protagonist Sidekick Sidekick 2 Officialdom one, two, three, four and five Antagonist one antagonist sidekick antagonist sidekick 2 goons and then did a find a new place every time he looked at a comic book that involved the of shield of shields just to populate those
0: I mean I can't describe you <laughs> because I mean you get very much things like Kate Neville is is not psychic in the comics. She is psychic in this. Yeah. Dum 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 Dugan is in this as well, played by Gary Chalk.
1: Now, anybody who does know the comics of Howling Commandos, or even the the later *Agents of Shield*, where Dum Dum Dugan, even even players of the Marvel's *Avengers* game, know that Dum Dum Dugan has two very distinct features. One is a fetching bowler, and the other is a fetching moustache. And that has been consistent against all the iterations of Dum Dum Duggan. Except this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a case where they looked at the comic book and go, nope, that's too silly, we we have to take all that out. But it's like, why even have that character then?
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Because it's I mean yeah, to the tree, as you say, it's just they have assigned that name to just a random person.
1: And you know that there's some what they do here that there's kind of a blueprint here for the relationship between several of the Avengers and Black Widow throughout the MCU but it's just done so clumsily here, this hint at a previous intimacy between Fury and the Contessa.
0: Yeah. Which, you've got to wonder how those two ever got together. Yeah. Because they they legitimately seem to hate each other.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> Which I'm not surprised, because Nick Fury is just such an arsehole. <laughs> Like, he's, he's just this horrible dick to everyone, <laughs> except for, like, Dum Dum Duggan and Gabe Jones, yeah. which it's coming back to watch this and seeing, like, the head of a government agency being an incompetent white man and everyone else in senior positions are just, like, his old drinking buddies. Yeah. It's strange that there's just absolutely no parallels to that in real life.
1: Although it's quite, it, although to be, to, <laughs> to be fair, it's quite, it's quite ahead of its time in that the one competent guy within Shield's upper echelons is the black, <laughs> black agent Gabriel. Yeah, Jones. who
0: who is both like the vice director and chief scientist
1: and medical officer. And diplomat and model and contest. head of
0: exposition.
1: Yeah, head of exposition.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's also played by Ron Canada, who I'm pretty sure I've seen starring alongside Stephen Toast.
1: <laughs> the the other thing with Ron Canada is he's he's the one member of the cast outside of David Hasselhoff who's not from Canada. <sighs>
0: It's, it's a real him... ZZ Top thing, isn't it?
1: <laughs> Making him possibly America's most ironic actor. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: so. that's not even his name. Maybe we should tell them that he's, he's non-Canada.
1: <laughs> I am... I, yeah, I'm not sure what caused this not to go to series. I don't know whether this was ever broadcast.
0: I, I believe it was. Because, uh, yeah, surely, surely this was put out at some point because it's like notoriously bad.
1: Oh no, it it did go out because reception to the film was largely negative with praises for its performances. Really? Um,
0: I mean, the 90s were a different time. But
1: criticism for lack of execution and dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a full list of the differences from the comics.
0: Oh yes, God, God bless your Wikipedia for feeling the need to point out how this is different from the comics.
1: So... In the comics, as we mentioned, Duggan has red hair, mustache and a bowler hat. None yes. of these are present in the movie. Gabe Jones character was combined with Sidney the Gaffer Levine, who was the shield scientist in the comics. Kate Neville is an Esper, as she mentioned, but not that in the comics. Yes.
0: Also, God, that's, that's properly 90s as well, isn't it? That, of course, she refers to herself as an Esper.
1: Yeah. Alexander Pierce is British in the comics. He's American. Gail Runciter is an agent of Interpol, as opposed to being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, like in the comics. Actually... Yeah, Gail Runciter is also
0: who Viper disguises herself as to poison Nick Fury Yeah, with her incredible plan of Hey, have you look at Have you seen me lovely the Surprise! I'm a baddie.
1: <laughs> Hydra agents oh. appear with black, men in black type suits rather than the green uniform from the comics.
0: Yeah. Also, what what are the Hydra agents? Because they're weird, like bold men wearing white face paint and black glasses. Again, I guess is that supposed to be playing off like the I... men in black oh. thing? I guess it,
1: uh, possibly either that or the the they got the wrong instructions through from their um, Blue Man Group tribute act kit.
0: Maybe <laughs> 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 they just mixed it wrong. Yeah.
1: Um, Andrea's twin brother, Andreas, did not appear, but Andrea did have a younger brother named Verna in the comics. The twins had an older half-brother named Verna.
0: What? Yeah. So, So, in the comics... Um, Andrea and Andreas von Strucker are called Fenris and they're like Mm -hmm. twins who are also incestuous murder Nazis because sometimes when comics do villains they don't do half meshes (laughs) Uh. so they're like the main Strucker siblings and then I think there's also like Werner von Strucker who gets mentioned sometimes
1: right the one structure names crops up a lot in Marvel properties, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, remember that X Men series where they decided that they were going to be like the main protagonists?
1: Sorry,
0: I think it was The Gifted. The Gifted, the gifted they did. Yeah. yeah, which what a what a weird idea! What a weird idea to like look at these like the worst supervillains imaginable. Let's make them the stars of family drama.
1: Well, to be to be fair, it, it's, not, it's not actually them, it's their descendants. It's actually not a bad series. It's probably the best mutant thing that Fox ever did. Apart from possibly Legion.
0: I... I yeah, I, I agree with the part about it being maybe one of the best things apart from Legion. I also do not Agree, though, that it's particularly good.
1: I enjoyed it. I was sad when it got cancelled.
0: I think it was just... It It was very... I want to say TV, but, like, in a negative way.
1: <laughs> anyway, you'll be surprised to hear that this film came fourth in the Nielsen ratings when it was broadcast.
0: I... I mean, I, I guess I can see people being interested to check it out.
1: But was beaten by reruns.
0: I mean, what isn't beaten by reruns, <laughs> to be fair? <laughs> and I, like, I, I, still to this day, I'm pretty sure every show in America is like a distant second to just old episodes of NCIS. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the, the thing is, I, I think the biggest flaw here is that they clearly didn't have a budget. They didn't have the budget for this.
0: Yeah. I think every time the had the carriers on screen, that's very apparent that they yeah. did not have the budget for this.
1: And I think the problem is that they spent too much on Hasselhoff.
0: Yeah, because I imagine he probably wanted a big paycheck.
1: Yeah. Because if, if you look at... Um, I would argue that if you look at something sort of relatively contemporary to this like Stargate Richard Dean Anderson probably wasn't as big a star as Hasselhoff but that meant that they could afford an ensemble cast of competent actors that could then take it from pilot to series and sustain it over a period of time
0: Yeah. also Richard Dean Anderson be a pretty decent Nick Fury wouldn't he though I mean, he'd be better than Hasselhoff. Which, again, much much like saying The Gifted is one of the best X-Men things, is not saying much.
1: Exactly, it is a low bar. Um, also, <laughs> Goya wasn't enthusiastic about Hasselhoff and described the film as pretty mediocre. And he wrote it.
0: Yeah. This is also David Goyard, the man who wrote Blade Trinity.
1: So he knows mediocre.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) If David S. Goyard looks at your project and goes, nah, this is no good. You know you've done bad. (laughs) Which it is bad.
1: Hasselhoff was apparently signed on for five additional Nick Fury television films. They didn't happen.
0: Yeah, I I appreciate the optimism, though. (laughs) But yeah, God, this this film is just so badly written. It is. Like, the bits of plot that don't make sense. Like I mentioned in the synopsis, there's a whole thing where Nick Fury's been poisoned and he has to get Andrea's blood because she's the only one with an antidote. Now, I don't know if I just spaced out towards the end. He, He never got, like, a sample of her blood, did he?
1: um i think do you know i only watched this last night
0: yeah this is always the problem i watched this like 2 days ago what happened in this film i don't remember does it actually exist
1: because it 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 literally is Marvel concepts thrown into a mixer, isn't it? Yeah. There's it's... a life model decoy that gets mentioned right at the top of the film and then ignored for the rest of the runtime until five minutes before the end, where it becomes a necessary MacGuffin to move the plot along.
0: I know, and that's that's such a disappointing moment because there's that brief moment of joy where you think, where you, th- <laughs> you think, <you're laughs> where you know think he's dead. <laughs> yeah also no no I think they do mention with the life mold decoy that it shrinks down yeah which I mean I guess that that's pin particles isn't it it's, it's, that's another thing they just chucked in there Yeah. because i do trying to think how the life mold decoy actually got there but I guess if it was shrunk down and then
1: but it'd be but... good it'd be good sort of like showing that
0: Yeah, but I mean, they don't have the budget for that, do they? No. Unless it's just like they have the camera on a doll and just like zoom out and there's a curtain, like replace it with a... God, that's exactly what they would do, isn't it?
1: The one thing I did like was the fact that they use um, the Esper's ability to draw the abort code out of Viper's head but Viper still somehow manages to try and trick her by going, six, no, nine, no, six, no, nine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, much like everyone else, Kate, never was absolutely rubbish, isn't (laughs) she? I
1: mean, do mind readers get dyslexia?
0: Maybe, I mean, is it? Is it just if you think really hard about a different number?
1: Well, actually, to be fair, it'd be just the luck of this iteration of Shield, wouldn't it, to get the one dyslexic mind reader?
0: Yeah, it's. Is it dyspraxic when dyspraxic. it's numbers? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's. That's almost a plot point I can see happening in this film. <laughs>
1: Yeah, when it goes to series, that's her character arc. She gets help with her dyspraxia. <laughs> and then gets a uh, little spin-off series.
0: No, you say I can, I can like see <laughs> in my mind the very special episode right now. <laughs> Do you know what I like about S.H.I.E.L.D.? What? is that they've got all these high-tech gadgets, like life-model decoys, and the aerosol spray that like, dissolves laser grids. And then they go, like... Okay, we we need to drop Hydra's plans and boot up their like Windows ninety eight desktop <laughs> computers.
1: Well I like what I like is that they've got all this high tech kit and then still solve all their problems with guns.
0: I mean to be fair as we see in the side of the film, Hydra agents are willing to literally just run at a man with a pistol. Well,
1: there is that, yeah. Also, they seem keen on beekeeping the Hydra agents. I mean, the actual goons, not the Men in Black guys. But they're just the troops. They they seem to have the the nets on, but they took them in, unlike a beekeeper.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even really notice that.
1: And, but, because if you, if you look at that opening scene where they attack Clay mean, the one-man guard in the base, apparently. Um. Yeah, they they're all faceless, and then Andrea von Strucker lifts off a like a net off her face. They're basically wearing tights on their heads. They're basically incompetent bank robbers.
0: Excellent. I wonder if maybe that was supposed to be like a bit like the AIM costume.
1: That's what I was thinking as well. Another marvel concept thrown into the blender, I'm surprised yeah, we didn't have a reference to hammer.
0: Wow, well, this would have been before Hammer even existed, even so, <laughs> but yeah, it's just stuff like Andrea von Strucker is also Viper, who's like a completely different character for some reason, yeah, yes, we what whether we're going to do because it. It's one of those weird things about stuff like this, where they cram so many things into the first film. There's like, well, what you, what were you going to do for sequels then?
1: Yeah, what were the other five going to be?
0: It's like you've used up half of Nick Fury's rogues gallery in one film.
1: And <laughs> I think I think that's the danger, isn't it? Because if if this had had a competent script. If you'd have thrown a bit more budget at the production rather than on Hasselhoff, and had a. Because you know, let's be honest, you set up a thing like a helicarrier, that's most of your production costs gone, isn't it, up front? Um, so you've got the helicarrier, something akin to a Quinjet, off you go. Um, You can start the but the, the The problem with this one is it would have looked. It looked to me very much like if it had gone to series or subsequent films. It would have just been an espionage thing. It's a bit like the Wonder Woman TV series with Linda Carter. It's not really a comic book series. It's basically about um, an espionage organization. And they fight very human villains week in week out.
0: Yeah, and sometimes Linda Carter puts on a bathing costume.
1: Yeah. Um, I think it would have descended into something like that. The difference is that the Wonder Woman series was better written than this.
0: Speaking of, can I just say my favourite line? Cool. Which is, it's the bit when Nick Fury finds out he has to get Andrea's blood, and he says. I'll get that vampire's blood, even if I have to suck it from her neck. That's literally the opposite of how <laughs> vampires work. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that there's so many lines like that, where they're just like a completely bizarre non <laughs> I like the bit where he's getting scanned in the medical thing. Like, I feel like a bratwurst. I'm someone to get me out of here. Or get me some mustard. <laughs>
1: Well, that's the thing. His his entire sum-up of the plot where they've been wrong-footed in Berlin is they've been jerking my chain eight ways from Sunday. It's not a very military way of reporting the situation, is it, Nick?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe Pinch is right. I think you do need to stick to the regulations a bit more, Nick. (laughs)
1: Oh, and isn't that a show of uh, a show of defiance from uh, from his two sidekicks in the helicopter <laughs> when they're being told to to turn the, the the flight around and bring Nick Fury home and stop him doing what he's going to do? And they oh, I And they and they basically do the Shield, shield Agent equivalent of going.
0: La, 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 la. Yeah I mean it's literally like Oh sorry we're going through a tunnel You're breaking up <laughs> It's a bit really bad because Kate does it first And then Pierce is just like Yeah no what she, she said, said. <laughs> so, It's one of those Things where it's like Almost every scene in this movie Is a thing that has happened in other movies so we're going to stick it in this one. Yeah. No matter how little sense it makes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I She she's not good, but I do quite like Sandra Hess. Cuz cuz God bless her. She seems to have this idea of like I'm going to do my German accent twice as hard in every other scene to make up for all the scenes I forget about the accent. <laughs> Except for the scenes where I'm French for some reason. <sighs> uh, and she's just, she, she's one of those actors who knows exactly what kind of film she's in.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, I think the only, I think David Hasselhoff clearly thinks the whole thing is a joke and a, a bit of a over-the-top thing, and he clearly plays it that way. I think Lisa Rinna, uh, as the Contessa, does a stand-up job with shite material. <laughs> She's probably the best, comp- along with Ron Canada, probably the most consistent performance throughout. But you can almost yeah. see, as as she gets to the end of a take, you can almost see her eyes rolling. A bit like a bit like Kate when she's reading Viper's mind.
0: It's a really just the fact that she can say her lines with a straight face. Yeah. Puts her above a lot of the actors in this. Yeah. Cause god she has some shonky guff to deal with.
1: <laughs> so are there any good points
0: um
1: they spelt shield right
0: they did they did the bit where they tell you what shield stands for yeah which I guess that's that's probably the most accurate thing to the comics mm-hmm. although if they really wanted to do it accurate they should have just had a little box pop up in the corner explaining it
1: yeah <laughs> with an asterisk no, one box saying Shield Headquarters with an asterisk next to Shield, and then yes. another box with Star and then Ed <laughs> at the end of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Star Strategic Homeland, homeland Intervention Espionage and Logistics division. division.
1: Because you need to get that super secret spy kit somewhere, somehow.
0: Yeah, it's also. There's definitely someone in that organization who's like, "We need an organization called Shield." Work backwards.
1: Well, that's act- that's actually the line in um, the first season of Agents of Shield when Phil Coulson's, uh showing an agent around you know, with the strategic, the strategic homeland intervention espionage and logistics division. Wow, someone really wanted just to be called Shield, didn't they?
0: Oh yeah, that is a line. <laughs> Also I think at this point it might be that the H stood for hazard instead of Homeland. Yeah. 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 This is also the problem, is that what shield stands for varies a lot. Yes. And not just when Norman Osborne is in control. <laughs> what does
1: hammer stand for?
0: Um they have um, massive Enemy. Rogers.
1: You could have just said I don't know.
0: I mean, that's basically what I said, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I'm going to look it up.
0: I mean, if it helps, I'm pretty sure S.W.O.R.D. is um, Sentient World's Observation and Reporting Division.
1: Well, it, it was until division.
0: Oh, yeah, where well, it was, like, Strange Wibbly Occurrences Response Division.
1: Yeah. <laughs> strange Wibbly Occurrences. Oh, come on. I don't think Hammer stands for anything.
0: Right, yeah, they might have just... Because, I mean, obviously, it's Hammer because it's, like, an opposite to S.H.I.E.L.D. So I guess they just didn't bother trying to work it in. Yeah.
1: Oh well. Oh.
0: So, shall we rank Nick Fury, then?
1: Uh, yes. And what's that, Howard? You're all excited.
0: Yes. <laughs> because, yeah, I guess that's the first point.
1: Is it television or is it a movie?
0: Yeah, because it's obviously, it's just like a pilot for a TV show. Yeah. But it it does say it's a movie. Yeah. And it's... It's certainly not a series.
1: No. So.
0: So, so yeah, I guess in that technicality, it can go on our list of comic book movies ranging from 1 to 29 with A History of violence at number 1 and much more relevantly, Howard the Duck at number 29.
1: Right. Well, I think Howard the I mean, Duck Do- as we discussed, Be... is a seriously flawed product.
0: Yeah, it's also, just before we get too into it, shall I run down, like, the, the bottom four on the list?
1: I'm not sure you need to.
0: Well, we'll do well, it, can.
1: Anyway.
0: <laughs> Like I say, How the Duck is at 29. Just above that, we've got 30 Days of Night, the first comic book movie filmed in real time. 27, 1990s Captain America. Number 26, 2003's Hulk.
1: Right. And
0: I mean, as you say, it's certainly worse than those three that are above Howard the Duck.
1: And I would say that Howard the Duck is seriously flawed, but I think it deserves a certain amount of kudos for aiming that high and failing. Whereas I don't think Nick Fury even aimed high and still failed.
0: Yeah, cause, cause Nick Fury just does not care.
1: No, and if you when you look at when you look at Howard the Duck and it, it, its various flaws, um, it was a highly technical production. You know, we we mentioned when we when we did it on the show, there were eight actors playing Howard the Duck at different stages, either puppeteers or voice actors or actual live action it was a technical miracle that it ever got finished whereas looking at this screenplay which apparently was written three or four years before it actually went into production so they had time to polish that script this was just it it wasn't as technically difficult and we're still poor. So I would say that this allows Howard the Duck to stay at number twenty
0: nine. I mean I I don't think I can disagree. <laughs> Cause I'm trying to think I'm not even sure I would say the nuclear agent of shield. Is technically a better movie. Like it's. But it's, it's a case we have sometimes where you've got one film that aims big and fails. Yeah. Versus another film that is very by the numbers. But is technically at least competent. Yeah. This is Neither
1: a film that tries
0: big, and, tries big and fails versus. Tries by the numbers and fails. <laughs> yeah. It's also how the duck is at least a more fun viewing experience.
1: And, and I think, also, probably more comic book accurate. They don't change a huge amount about the main character. He is, after all, a sentient duck.
0: It is. Yeah, It also... Because nephew agent of Shield is one of those. It feels quite embarrassed to be based on a comic book.
1: Yeah, and, and and the other thing is, you could take if you took all those Marvel trappings away, like the Shield logos and stuff. It's not even a very average '90s action series pilot.
0: Yeah, it's a subpar action film. Yeah, but where you compare it to something like. Like Jim Steranko's Nick Fury, which is all these weird, like, huge alien buildings and cool laser guns and flying cars. There's no flying cars in this film. <laughs> That's, like, one of the coolest things about S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: <laughs> and the other, the other thing is that, apart from being a grizzled, battle-hardened, world-weary soldier... There's nothing recognisable about Nick Fury, because Nick Fury's all about the duty... He's all about the protecting Earth and from the threats of Hydra. This one's like, ah, you hung me out to dry. Screw you.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's almost a cool idea of, like, playing off the idea that Nick Fury's from the 60s. So having him be, like, this very Cold War-era spy who's now having to come back in when the world has changed. Yeah. And I think if this was competently made, that would be interesting. But again, it just means that Nick Fury is an arsehole to everyone constantly.
1: Yeah. So, number 30 then.
0: Yeah, number 30. And don't worry, while we've been talking about it, I've got it it's Nick poo <laughs> agent of shit <laughs> I mean that was literally this entire ranking conversation was just an excuse so I could think of an appropriately terrible name for it <laughs> But, yeah, wow. So, I'll, I'll be honest, I thought nothing was ever going to dethrone Howard the Duck.
1: Yeah, I had a sneaky suspicion it would, but I'd already seen Nick Fury using.
0: Ah, see, see, I was very much going in with a I've heard it's bad, but is it really that bad? I mean, it's, it's probably just a bit of a cheesy, you know, fun kitschy, And it's 90 minutes! What a, what a breezy runtime! It's not a precy front.
1: I bet I bet you weren't thinking that by minute forty (laughs) five.
0: I think minute forty five was pretty bad. What was worse was about an hour and a half later when we got to minute forty (laughs) seven. And again, like I genuinely thought there must be a problem with YouTube. (laughs) It's also yeah, I know we've said we, we both like don't remember the film that well. Is it that we don't remember it, or is it just that we can't process how little happens given how long it feels? <laughs> well, this
1: is it, it's almost we, we we've mentioned that it's a pilot for a. It t- it turns out it seems it's a pilot for a string of television movies, but it it it's got that pilot film um, vibe to it. But. It's almost like if they would have just done a standard episode-length pilot.
0: Yeah. Cause, there cause with have pilots, enough
1: plot to fill it.
0: It's, and yeah, and with pilots, you're not really selling people on the quality of the pilots. It's selling people on the idea of what we can then make this into once you give us yeah. the budget.
1: Yeah. That's it. So... Yeah, I think uh, I think all told, it was a poor idea on all parts.
0: But not a poor idea on our part to cover it, because this has been a fun episode, I think.
1: It has, and and uh, I think certainly we are heroes on Duck World now.
0: Yes, they will build statues in our honour. <laughs> We'll have massive vested ducks hurling themselves at us. <laughs> oh, I've <got> them <laughs> I can't forget it because I see it every night when I close my eyes.
1: <laughs> I think that says more about you than it does the film.
0: <laughs> Look, someone in that <laughs> film was very keen on getting an audience for people who want to have sex with the ducks.
1: Clearly
0: that work is done. I this mean, they say true art is never appreciated in his time. <sighs> anyway, I think that's about it from us. But, but is it okay, because it turns out this is just your life model decoy that I've broken?
1: Absolutely. There's another 37 in my wardrobe.
0: I mean, it's it's nice to know that we both have questionable bedtime practices then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I think, bearing in mind, that there's probably some execs still knocking around Marvel that were involved in this project. I think it's a wonder that the actual agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show ever got off the ground if people still have memories of this.
0: Oh, yeah, God, there have got to be producers who were like, no, we can't do it because it'll be this again.
1: It'll never work. <laughs>
0: yeah. Why is it that producers are so bad at producing films? To be
1: fair, it was a different era of Marvel, wasn't it? It was the Marvel entertainment. It was the same Marvel entertainment that was bringing us things like 1990s Captain America. We still haven't done the sequel to that, have we?
0: Oh, my God, we haven't. Or oh, is it? Is it a sequel as well? Like a different Captain America film, I'm not sure.
1: I can't remember. Let's Let me just have a search.
0: Unless, or is it were there were like ones in the 70s?
1: There were some in the 70s where he's a bald guy on a motorbike.
0: Yeah, because I feel like we've maybe maybe had this conversation before and like got them mixed up. Could be. (gasps) What else we haven't done? What? The Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie.
1: True. Right, Captain America. There's a 1979 film. That's the guy on the motorbike. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, well, like the shield is his windscreen.
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, and that's got a sequel. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of, though.
0: Yeah, don't worry. We? We'll get to those.
1: Cap, Captain America 1979. We've done 1990. There's a serial from the 40s. Um, there's Captain America 2 Death Too Soon.
0: That is far too cool a title for a Captain America sequel. <laughs>
1: All the others, oh, there's a Heroes United, but that's an animation.
0: And that's, I mean, we might get around to doing some kind of animated thing at some point.
1: Yeah, it's, it seems to be something that we're lacking. There's also a 1973 Turkish cult superhero film called <gasps> Dev Adam.
0: Yes, I've heard of 3 Dev Adam. Apparently, it's absolutely mad.
1: And, and, and it is. It, 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 based on characters created by Steve or Jack Kirby, Stanley, Joe Simon, and Rodolfo Guzman Clerta, featuring Atakan Akaya as Captain America.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like Captain America, Spider-Man, and just some luchador dude.
1: Yes, that's what... That, I'll, 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 we've got to do that on next. It's. it's
0: yeah. it,
1: it, <laughs> no, no, that can't be right. Someone's got that wrong, sure. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, it says directed by T. Bekret Uchak and J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, listeners, I think we might have our next episode planned. <laughs> But until then, if you would like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can reach us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you're a fan of the show, we would appreciate it if you just left us a review on your podcast app of choice. It's the best way for us to go as the show and you all algorithmic. Algorithmic is hard to say don't say it then I won't this is just my way of saying I don't know why but reviews help (laughs) what the internet tells me so that's everything until next time I've been Andrew (laughs)
1: I've been Mick
0: so long and thanks for listening Hail Hydra (sighs) does anyone even say Hail Hydra in this film? (laughs) no